Welcome to issue 156 of Critical Encounters, a podcast about Marvel Champions, a living card game by Fantasy Flight Games. Here, we take a good look at that most critical piece of the game, the encounter sets. We'll discuss those poorly understood characters, unfairly labeled villains, and the various plans to shape humanity and benefit the planet, as well as those so-called heroes intent on thwarting them. I am one of your hosts, Steve, and joining me tonight is Mike. Hi, Mike. How's it going? Good. How are you, Steve? I'm doing well. Uh, yeah, I'm doing well. You, you're doing good. You're doing good. I'm doing good. Doing good. A little, little sad, actually. A little sad. I just, oh, I just no. read the saddest story. I'll tell oh. you about it later, though. Okay. I'll bring you down. We're talking about sad. You know who else is here? Hi, Daniel. <laughs> <laughs> wow. But you're right. I heard that. Um, I heard that you're down. You're feeling down. I'm feeling down. I'm feeling down and out. Oh no. Well, we're gonna talk about a villain tonight, so that should perk you up. That does, you know. But nobody loves you when you're down and out. You know that. Oh, right. I heard that in a song. Yep, you did. And yeah. it's truth. Truth song. But one thing that gets me out of my own sadness is Mike's sadness. So what's wrong, Mike? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's the origin story this week. Mm. Yeah, so we are going to talk about Venom, the villain Venom. Uh, we're mm. going to do part one. Yeah. Yeah. And this is Venom-like from all of the movies Venom, not Venom in the card game Venom. He's Gene Simmons right? from Kiss, right? His um, <laughs> no, no, no. This just tongue isn't long enough for that. Oh. Um, this, yeah, this is the, the Eddie Brock Venom. Mm. Well, this is a story in two parts. So shall I begin? Do you want to hear all about Venom? I do. Yeah. Wow, okay. we're getting right into it. Okay. All right. So uh, these stories come from uh, The Amazing Spider-Man, Issues roughly 258-ish. There's a few of them around that area. Uh, published in 1984. And the Venom Lethal Protector series, which is a six-issue miniseries published around 1993. And there's been a whole bunch of Venom stuff since. Um, I'm sure he goes on many wild and wacky adventures. Have not read them all, but uh, maybe. Maybe we'll talk about them next week. So let's start by talking about the symbiote. We learned a little bit about that last week. Thank you, Steve. A little. Oh, a little. All right. Now, Mike, that was not what I would qualify as a little. <laughs> All right. Let's uh, let's take it down. Close your eyes. I want you to imagine yourself as a symbiote, by which I mean you are a puddle of black goo. Mm. And you are plagued with this constant feeling that you're not quite whole. Now imagine that some weird bipedal alien being has stumbled upon your home world. Others call him Spider-Man, and he's here as part of some Secret War storyline. No, not that Secret War, the other one. No, not that one, the one earlier than that. Doesn't matter. You sense a kindred spirit in this being. You feel that drive, that sense of purpose. Just think of the potential that could be unleashed if you were willing to let you augment his power. You could see yourselves together. So let's go for it. Look at that ragtag costume of his. You could do better than that. Let's ditch the 60s look and go for something more hardcore. Little black and badass. How about that? Hey, it worked. You piqued his interest, and he has picked you up for the ride of your life. So it's going to take some time for the both of you to adjust to this new relationship. You show off some of the cool things you can do. You're not just a pretty suit. You've got power underneath. You want to be a good partner, so you probe your host's mind to figure out what he wants. So he can help make it happen. Does he want to catch that ledge? You got it. Does he need a pocket? Well, here you go. As the days go on, and your bond strengthens. 
You two begin to move as one until you are able to respond to his wishes before he even realizes that he's made them. But alas, the time comes when your host must return home. But oh, joyous day, he wants to bring you with him. Or perhaps now it's more apt to say we than he. Then one day your host starts acting weird, distant. Something's up. Have you been too clingy? Nah, that can't be it. He decides to take you back to see an old friend, some Reed Richards. This guy's supposedly really smart, but he only tells you what you already know. That you are some alien symbiote and not just a fancy piece of fabric. How rude, eh? And that the bond between you is getting stronger. Well, duh. And then, out of nowhere, Johnny Storm sets you ablaze. The pain is unbearable. And while you are writhing in agony, your other half tears away from you. And then you are trapped in a glass jar. What just happened? You tried so hard. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You tried so hard in this relationship. You gave your host powers he'd only dreamed of. You even gave up your home to follow him to this godforsaken rock. And in a blink, it's over. You're on an alien planet, betrayed by the only being you've ever cared about, and you are trapped in a jar. Would you be pissed? I'd be pissed. I'd well, be what's pissed. in a jar? Yeah. You know? Is it a oh, comfy yeah. jar? Is no, it... no, no. It's, it's a glass jar. It's a specimen jar. Oh. So you can be studied. So just like any other jar? Yeah. Well, then I'd be pissed. I thought it was like a metaphorical jar, because for a while there, it sounded like dating in my 20s. But, okay. <laughs> 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 All right, so you're there, you're ruminating, and you escape. Of course you escape. You're no chum. Well, sure. And by golly, you're going to track down this man, and you're going to make him take you back. And you do, and it works for a time, until he tricks you into going into a church and then rending your soul with those blasted church bells. And then oh. when you wake up, you are alone once again. That's sad. It's awful. It is. It's terrible. Peter Jeez. Parker's a jerk. All right. Like you're right, this is a sad story. Yeah. Oh. Okay, well, let's switch gears. Okay. Because like there's a happier a... place or no? Well, let's just switch. We're going to switch. We're going to go to the <laughs> okay. someone else. We're going to talk about Eddie Brock. Oh, okay. Eddie Brock, this guy, you'd say his life took two major turns. The first happened the moment he was born. His mother, that's, Jamie. That's a turn, yeah. Yep. D- died during his birth. And with her, so did his father's love. Carl Brock was previously a very caring and passionate man, but after his wife died, he became a shell of his former self. I mean, he he raised his son, he continued to, but only because he saw it as his duty. He didn't have the capacity for love anymore. He didn't show him any sort of affection. And that's what a young child needs growing up. Through Eddie's childhood, he tries everything to earn his father's approval. He gets good grades, he wins competitions, sports trophies, none of it matters. His father never once praises him. Have you guys seen the uh, the Hawkeye series on Disney Plus? The yes. Kate Bishop Hawkeye? Mm-hmm. How the opening sequence where it shows her, you know, going to school, get all the grades, doing all the championships, all that stuff. And how that's that's her basically trying to be the best, trying to be a hero. He's kind of like that, except he's doing it just to get the affection of his father. It's not for him. It's he's he's going for this the unattainable goal. Okay. So nevertheless, he grows up, and um, still his father won't bat an eye at him. Um, while he's deciding what he wants to do with his life, the Watergate scandal breaks out. And this ignites a passion in him. He said he sets off to become an investigative journalist, which he does because he's awesome. I mean, look what he's been doing with his life. He's been perfecting himself for the wrong reasons, but he's been doing it. 
Now, Eddie gets a big break early on. There's been a rash of killings by someone going by the name of Sin Eater. Eddie figures out who the Sin Eater is, even gets this guy's confession, and exposes him to the world. Now, surely something of this magnitude will get the attention of his father. However, things unravel when Spider-Man captures the real Sin Eater, revealing that Eddie had in fact been tricked by a serial liar. So Eddie's reputation is ruined. He's fired on the spot. When his father finds out, oh, he gets emotions then. Yeah, he flies into a rage and disowns him. So in the span of, what, a day? The two things Eddie has been yearning for in his life, you know, his father's approval and the career of his dreams were destroyed by Spider-Man. That wall so, crawler, he's no good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you think that, I mean, we talked about a lot of characters. At this point, they'd go all vengeful and in a rage, and this is their, their turn to villainy. No, no, not, not Eddie. Eddie's done. He's got nothing left to live for, and he decides to end it all. Before he does, he decides, let's, let's just take one last trip to the local church. Seems the thing to do your last night on Earth. And that's right after the bells started ringing. So that small decision marks the next big turning point in his life. The symbiote, having just shaken off the effects of the bells, discovers another being in this church, one who possesses the same determination as his previous host, but with the same deep-seated rage and hatred for this Spider-Man. And so it begins. The symbiote joins with Eddie. The two bond harmoniously. He becomes we. And Venom is born. That's the backstory. All right. So yeah, they um, that's uh, that's mostly what I researched. Um, it's uh, I didn't have to try hard to make that sad. That's literally what happens. Uh, Peter Parker really is well, kind of adult. He actually believes that this symbiote is a costume for many, many, many issues, and he's like, "Oh, weird! I wanted to go outside, and suddenly the suit climbed onto me." That's weird. Maybe I should talk to Reed Richards about this. Nah, I got to get to school. You know, one of those. days <laughs> <laughs> of genius. <laughs> oh, man, I wish I had a pocket here. Oh, look, a pocket. Just the right size for the thing I want to put in here. That's weird. Maybe I should talk to Reed Richards. Nah, I think there's a nah. mugger across the street. Uh, yeah, oh. so Venom, he's, he's your classic antihero. Uh, his thing is he was never really a bad guy. Nothing in his story has him being bad. He's just been set back by the Spider-Man, and there's no murder, there's no robbery, there's no anything. So why is he a villain? It's because he does have this passion in him to do good. He has this passion to help others, but now he's got all this power. So he uses methods that the other heroes might not use. Maybe a few broken necks along the way, but he does it all for a good cause. You know, if they're all evil people, then his mind, what does it matter? Wow. So they, yeah, him and Spider-Man battle it out for a long, long time. And maybe we can talk about some more next week. He's pretty Machiavellian then, right? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Jeez. This is a, this is a big question in all the ethics classes I took. Does it matter how you get to a good result? Well, he would no? say no. He would say no. And that's what leads, leads him into conflict. Hmm. Well, I, I, aren't you saying that Eddie Brock would say, yeah, like, sorry. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah it doesn't matter if you have to do bad things. If the ultimate is good, right? Yeah, that is the Eddie Brock's belief. The ends justify the means, as they say. Hmm. Well, I like him just for that. He's an ethical nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> I have a piece of trivia for you, Mike. Uh-oh. Wait, you're triviaing the guy who did the backstory? Yeah. 
Oh no! Like I'm sorry, man. This is actually kind of rude. This is awful. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's revenge for revenge from a previous episode. Hey, actually, you can't do that. Calvin Ball, do anything I want. Uh, actually, I guess it's just a piece of trivia for the listeners. Uh, did you know that because the Venom symbiote was bonded to Peter Parker for so long, it knows his secret identity. It knows who he is. It understands him so greatly and all this sort of thing that Peter Parker cannot use his spider sense against the Venom symbiote. It doesn't oh, trigger that's it. why. It doesn't trigger it. So thematically, if you are playing the Peter Parker Spider-Man against the Venom in this game, you should not use his ability against the villain. You are absolutely right. Yep. Oh, Mike, you won the trivia. That's <laughs> <laughs> so out. It wasn't a pop um, quiz. It was just a piece of trivia. Yeah. No, that's great. No, but everyone listening, please take on Venom with Peter Parker and don't use that. That's going to cost you a card or two over the game, eh? Yeah, quite a few. Mike, yeah. 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 Especially considering, you know, Venom will attack you pretty hard sometimes. So. <laughs> but he can do other things, right? He can backflip away. Well, he can't draw into the backflip, though. So, yeah. Mm hmm. Yeah. Cool. What's the well, last time either of you played Peter Parker? Oof. It's been a bit. I've never played Peter Parker. Interesting. What? He's like the protection hero extraordinaire. Other pe- Whenever I was playing those early ones, other people were picking up Peter Parker. Because he is, what, the biggest Marvel household name? Yeah, right. Yeah. Sure. I'd be curious to see like how often people go back to the old stuff. I still I mean, play She-Hulk. Yeah, yeah. But, but we just get new campaign boxes, new heroes. New, like, it's really hard to be like, you know what? I wonder how Peter Parker's aged. <laughs> but it would be fun to would be fun to play him. Sounds like a game we're going to have to do. Core heroes. Yeah. The core set heroes against something. Yeah. But I digress. We only talk about these guys because there's cards related to them. So let's do that. Oh, yeah. Unless, Mike, you just want to talk about Venom. We'll talk about the cards. Oh, okay. Go for it. You sure that's not Gene Simmons? <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we're going to talk about the cards. Venom is the second scenario in the Sinister Motives campaign box. He has 14 total cards. Tonight, we're just going to talk about five. So, Mike, why don't you take us through the he- the villain cards? <laughs> <laughs> I like how you almost said hero, Steve. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's confusing. <laughs> All right, Venom is a villain. One scheme, two attack. Symbiote traded. Symbiote. Symbiote. Toughness. <laughs> and My vengeance. favorite symbiote. <laughs> vengeance is a forced response. After you attack and damage Venom with a card you control, place one face-down boost card on your identity. Hmm. His second version, two scheme, to attack. Toughness and Steady this time. When revealed, search the encounter deck and discard pile for Tooth and Nail side scheme and put it into play. And he has the same Vengeance forced response. And then the third version, he has two scheme, three attack. Steady, Toughness, and Retaliate one. When revealed, place two face down boost cards on each identity. And his ability is now Retribution, Forced Response. After you attack and damage Venom with a card you control, place one face-down boost card on your identity, two face-down boost cards instead if this is the first attack this turn. Wow. Now, Mike, what you 
refused to say was that he has 17, 18, and 20 hit points per player. Oh, yeah. He's big. The text is so small. He is big. He's big, yeah. Those are like, those are not tiny numbers. Yeah. Wow. All right, so this is is really confusing for people because the ability kind of intuitively doesn't make sense if you're really rules lawyering this thing. Yeah, I think you need to walk through this, Mike. So after you attack and damage Venom, now that immediately thinks you, you, who are you? You are you, your events, but not your allies, whatnot. Except it says after you attack and damage Venom with a card you control. Uh huh. So you are your allies then. Place one base down base. Right? Yeah, I, th- I took that to mean as allies would count. I I always did too. I assume so. Does that make sense to you, Steve? It does. Actually, there's a ruling about this. Um, this is probably a good time to talk about this ruling. That we got from Alex from FFG back in May of 2022. Um, so somebody said this is about sinister motives and the Venom villain's force response. Uh, as event cards are not controlled by the player, are Venom's force response triggered when you damage him using an attack event card? So the ruling comes down. We're de- we determined that for the purposes of the Venom scenario, an attack event would be considered a card you control that could attack and damage Venom. Um, since this ruling has potential to complicate other cases, we might see an errata on Venom. So cards you, okay. yeah. So cards you control ha- have always been your hero or alter ego upgrades, supports, allies, anything in play that you put into play and is sitting in front of you out of your deck. And now for Venom, event cards also. Which you know, you know, I've sense. always played these LCGs like. In terms of the ownership thing and the you thing, it's like, especially with events, right? Like, you take the event out of your hand and you place it on the table. At which yeah. point, it's a card you control because it's on the table in front of you. It does its thing, then goes away. Yep. But it's, of course you own it, right? Or control it. Control it, yeah. Like, uh, And I think technically in Marvel Champions, it's like, you know... Maybe you don't put it on the table. Maybe you do. I'm sure there's some rulings about it. Um, it's not like you set it in the discard to do its thing, right? It's right. You put it into play. I don't know. Well, you, no, you don't necessarily put it into play. You just play it because it it's it can't stay in play. It's a little weird, but in this case, for Venom, <laughs> anything that comes out of your deck is that is an attack has to be an attack, right? It needs to have the attack keyword or trait, that sort of thing, the attack identifier, will trigger this ability. Okay. If it's not an attack, but deals damage, it doesn't trigger this ability. Yeah. Like, Ant-Man's Army of Ants is a support that you put on the table. It does damage. Deals one damage, doesn't have the attack trait, or right, it doesn't say... Squirrel Girl, my favorite. Yeah, when she enters play, just one damage. It's not an attack. Yeah. The second thing is these boost cards, they don't go on Venom. They right. go on you. your hero. They go on you. Right. And that's important. Does someone want to tell us why that's important? <laughs> Let's see. <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you why it's important. Um, but I, it's going to take me a second to get there. Okay. Because we're going to look at the main scheme now. Venom has one main scheme. And this is why those boost cards going on you is important. So okay. 1A is called Leave Us Alone. You're going to play with Venom 1 and 2 or 2 and 3 if you're playing on Expert. You're going to play with the Venom set, the Symbiotic Strength set, Standard Encounter set, and one modular, and they suggest Down to Earth. Setup. We're going to put the Bell Tower environment into play on the quiet side, which Daniel will tell us about in a minute. 
We're going to flip it over to 1B. It maxes out at 10 threat per player. It goes up by 1 threat per player and starts with 2 threat per player. Ooh. Upon spotting you, Venom goes into a frenzy, attacking you relentlessly and causing havoc around the city. Forced Interrupt. When Venom activates against you, move each face-down boost card from your identity to Venom. If this stage is completed, the players lose the game. So there you go. All those cards that Venom has put onto your identity get moved to Venom when he activates against you and will trigger so you could have a bunch of boost cards when he attacks or schemes. You could be your own personal boost Star-Lord. Yes. Yeah. All right. Except, um, actually, that doesn't even help Star-Lord. <laughs> that doesn't help him at all. <laughs> no, no. But all of a sudden you have a whole lot of cards because of things that you did before. Yep. Mm-hmm. Right? Yep. Um, that kind of post-punishment for your actions, which I like a lot. All right. So you're going to get a lot of boost cards. Actually, yeah. Which makes me think, guys, one of the things we need to talk about with Venom either today or next week what are the best modular sets for boost cards? Oh, yeah. Yeah? Like, yeah. Yeah. If, if you're constantly getting them, think about those modular sets that had the best boost effects. But, Steve, I remember you calling me out to talk about the Bell Tower. Is this true? It is true. Why don't you, uh, why don't you read the Bell Tower? The Bell Tower really defines this scenario. All right, so this is a double-sided environment. It starts on the quiet side with its location and quiet traded. If there are at least three... Chime counters per player, you flip this card. Interrupt. When any amount of damage would be dealt to Venom by an attack, you may place that many chime counters here instead. Because you know, Mike, you told us, the Venom symbiote is very sensible to loud noise. Sensitive. Sadly, yes. Yeah. He's probably sensible to it as well, but... <laughs> um, so there you go. All right. So when you're hitting them... You could actually decide just to ring the bell louder, right? Yep, and that does not trigger Venom's forced response. Oh, that's cool. Because you're not damaging Venom. You're not damaging him, yeah. But, interesting, like Steve pointed out, it's only damage from an attack, so Squirrel Girl cannot ring these bells. That's correct. That's That also might be overlooked by some folks. Well, Steve, Mike, what happens when you ring these bells too loudly for too long? I don't know. The location becomes ringing. You flip the environment. And you increase all damage Venom takes by one. My God, Steve, Mike, don't you want to be on the rigging location all the time? All the time, all the time. All the time. If there are no chime counters here, flip this card. Well, how could that be? There's already nine of them on there. Forced interrupt. When Venom's attack would deal any amount of damage to an identity, remove that many chime counters from here. For each chime counter removed this way, prevent one of that damage. Interesting. Mm-hmm. You have to do it, and you have to do all of it. Yeah. Wow. And he's got all these boost cards, so they go really quick. Oh, really yeah. quick. Nice. It's exciting. Yeah, so the thing to note on the ringing side is increase all damage Venom takes. Not all Venom damage Venom takes by an attack, oh, yeah. which is what you've been caring about in other spots. This is all damage now, so... Yep. Those armies of ants and those square girls do two damage or retaliate does two damage. Yeah, can I rant about this a second? Yeah, go for it. (laughs) Well, hold on. Before you rant, Mike, I want to make sure that folks understand that they can't be like, well, I'll take three of that attack uh, as, um, uh, you know, like 
it's any amount of damage. So it's not that you can be like split it up and like, well, I'll take two, but then right. I'll also deny two. No, no, no. You've yeah. got to. Right. The only way to However, deny two would be like if you defended with two defense, for example. Right. So yeah, right. That's the only way you can do it. You can't. Yeah. This is an all or nothing affair. Actually, it's an all or all affair. <laughs> yeah, it's important to note that to um, you could defend with an ally and that won't remove counters from the bell tower because it's only if your identity takes the yeah. damage or would take damage. Oh yeah. Yeah. From so attack. You're, kind of, you're kind of almost encouraged to be a leadership jumper. Right. But now it's time for your rant, Mike. Okay. Um, I like a lot of the scenario. I think that inconsistency hurts it. Say more. So I play protection, right? You often do. So I bring Gwen Stacy protection and I go, okay, let's see. Um, I can smack the bell tower. Great. Okay. So here it is. Venom and his main scheme in many protection decks are blank cards because Venom, you have to attack, actually attack and damage Venom to get that boost card. And if you're not actually attacking him to damage him, you will never get a boost. So he would be blank and that card would be blank. Well, why would that happen? So you're talking about those defensive cards, Mike, that just sort of... Yeah, and flip the boost and do that much damage to him instead of him attacking. Yeah, okay. and normally that would be that wouldn't be enough. That's chump change. Except when the bell tower is ringing, you increase all damage venom takes by one. So, I see. Here, I I defend, and um, I've got uh, let's say I've got flow like water, and I use uh, a preemptive strike. Maybe okay. I get unlucky. I flip a one. Okay, that's one damage from preemptive strike. Plus one, so that's two from this. For that's two, yeah, from the bell tower. So that's two. Flow like water means because I played a defense event, I take, I give him another damage. That's three. Plus another damage from the bell tower is four. Wait, we already took the bell tower. It's a different source of damage. (gasps) And then I retaliate for one. The bell tower goes off for another one, and then my electrostatic armor goes off, which is not a retaliate. So therefore, it is a different source of damage. And I hit him for another one. I just did a swinging web kick for nothing. Oh. And it's just so easily gamed. And wow, it, it didn't have to be, that. right? Like, mm. if all damage, if it was changed to all damage Venom takes from attacks was increased by one, great. Solves the problem. If it was. Whenever Venom takes damage from a card you control, period, you get a boost card. That would have solved it. But it's because it's it's flipped in such a way that you just slide right through there. And I didn't even mean to. I did not mean to. Yeah, you can totally cheese this. And when we played uh, our game with Venom, I had to like study the card for a second. Like I don't remember doing this in my game. Oh, yeah, because I didn't have to. And then Mike gets further compounded because of the force interrupt on the bell tower. Ringing side is... Protection players often take no damage. Yeah. Yeah, you don't take damage, so you don't flip it. Oh, my God. It's... So you never win... Like, you can win a game against Venom as a solo protection player by defending. Yes. Easily. Easily. You have to... to, uh, The only times you have to attack are when you're attacking the bell tower. Like, right at the beginning of the game, right? Yep, right at the beginning of the game. And you may want to... I didn't really have to. Um, we can talk about some cards next week where that are high threat, but you can take them down by attacking. So you may want to do that, but in reality, I've solo. I've never really had to. 
Wow. Yeah. Now that is a specific protection style build, right? You need to get the flow light water going and some of that sort of stuff. Um, sure, but even if I didn't, like even a pretty like general probably, protection build is gonna hurt. It's gonna right? deal like four or five damage. Yeah. Yeah. If you're doing any protection stuff. If you're playing leadership where you go wide and your allies are doing the attacking, they will create those boost cards, right? Because um, basic attacks on from an ally will give you a boost. Um, aggression players yeah. who are using, you know, clobbers and whatever oh. events that deal da- that are attacks, those are going to draw boost cards, and they're not going to have that defense necessarily. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like protection has this unfair advantage. No. And you know what, yeah. Mike? That's what makes our show great. Because we do these public service announcements mm-hmm. for the yeah. villain. It's for like, the villain. Hey, Wait, wrong. Hey. Wrong. We're not supposed to do that. <laughs> no, we are supposed to do that. Like, look, folks, if you're, you can cheese through this with protection. So knowing that, you know what you know. If you do it, if you, if you do what Mike said you can do, you're a cheaty hero. <laughs> right? So I'm on board. Don't, don't come at Venom with a flow like water protection drunken master deck. <laughs> right, you just don't do it way. because that's cheaty. Yeah, if you want to be really cheaty, there's no once per turn limit on flow like water. Yeah, like three copies of them, right? It's like bing, bing, bing. That's two each, right? Or no, like um, you can play a defiance as well with your and yeah, it's so yeah. you know what you know, players. You know that protection has a certain angle on venom that uh, other aspects don't. So if you want a challenge. Or if you want yeah. to build protection differently, Mike delightfully showed you the danger of being a standard protection hero. So we're a PSA, guys. We're, we're good people. Good way of putting it, Daniel. <laughs> so what do you think of that, Mike? I mean, your thoughts, I think, are spot on, right? So our job is clearly to warn people. Yeah, no, no, I like that. I like that. I just, uh, I, don't know. I think what got me is that these things were so, seem so intentionally worded. That uh, yeah, what, yeah, what do you think of that, Mike? Like, I don't know. Like so I, there must I do be get through, it. through layers and layers of playtesting, this language comes about, right? So what were people doing? It, it must have come about because people were getting around him by using allies or I see. Okay. something else like that. Or maybe it was, it was probably allies, really, because after you attack would already encompass your attack events. Right. Yeah. And I don't know, maybe they thought it was too hard if you didn't have some way around it. Maybe they didn't worry too much about the army of ants. I, I don't know what happened. Or maybe they worry too much about the the protection's ability to deal damage back. Yeah, I, I don't I mean, know. When Venom came out, how many like deal back damage cards were there in protection? I don't know, right? Like, oh, so, no, tons. Like that. Tons, right? All okay. those cards that I used were in or before this box. Okay. You didn't even talk about that barrier card you love so much. Oh, the energy barrier. Oh, that see, that would do it too. <laughs> <laughs> That's so, another source of damage. Yeah. I, dang. I, don't, I digress. I mean, it's not a, it's not a bad scenario. It's just, no, you don't digress. I think it's a really important consideration of this scenario. Yeah. Like that you can essentially neuter Venom. Like imagine you're playing a three-player campaign or whatever, and we're all, we've all got our heroes, but then we decide for him, let's just do protection. Yeah, everyone just bring out. <laughs> everyone just bring a protection deck. Done. Ugh. I don't know, guys. Steve, you're awfully quiet. You must love... You must love protection or venom too much. What is it? Oh, green cards are gross, but um, <laughs> they're like the card equivalent of boogers. That, that's what I hear from other shows. Yeah, uh, I, I agree. The um, 
inconsistency is too bad. With the is it an attack? Is it not attack? It also just makes it more difficult, or you really have to pay attention. Oh wait, that was an attack. Oh no, that's not an attack, or that that sort of thing. I see you're saying too, Steve. Like you know, new players to this game, kind of right. Like this is their second scenario or something. Like, well, this doesn't actually mean this, though. It sounds like it might mean this, but like the language of these games are. It's you really have to read it. So yeah. It can be off-putting, but, you know, those of us who know it and, you know, put into play and play and all those things and enters, like, we're used to that lingo, but here parsing the language seems unnecessarily difficult. Am I, am I right in think like, that's what you guys are saying? Yeah. Yeah. That's what, that's what I was trying to say towards the end there. Yeah. Okay. I mean, you have to also, if, unless you're playing Mike's cheaty deck here, um, you have to remember that you put boost cards on your character when he does attack or scheme against you, right? You have to pay attention. Is this a boost card or was this an encounter card? Because I decked out. So there's there's a lot of bookkeeping in this scenario. Oh yeah, to pay attention to. A good point. Do you think yeah. that's why it says put the boost card on your identity? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, because encounter cards just go like in front of you, right? It always says face down in front of you. Yeah. All right. So remember that, players. Really put the boost cards on your identity. Okay, um, but apart from that, it's not a bad scenario. No, it's no. fun. Okay. It's a lot of fun. We'll talk more about the scenario itself next week, yeah? Yeah. All right. Well, in the meantime, Daniel, do you want to take my part and uh, tell us where the folks can find us? Yeah, but what's the, the joke I should do, Mike? Uh, I don't know. I always come up with it on the spot. <laughs> God, you're good. You're so good then. Um, you know what, folks? Let us know. If you're a cheaty hero and now will only play protection decks against Venom, confess your sins to us at criticalencounterspod at gmail.com. We are Critical Encounters on Facebook. You can find our YouTube channel or Patreon by searching for Critical Encounters Podcast. And on Discord, we are Vardane, Wandering Took, and Big Foam Loaf. If you like our show, tell your friends. If you don't like our show, tell your enemies. Hey, Venom, take us out. Hi, we're Venom. You're safe now. No, please, there's no need to thank us. Your joy is reward enough. It sends me leaping happily on my way. <laughs> <laughs>